the Irwin brothers were massive fans of Mercy Me's iconic song. After meeting Bart Millard, the band's frontman, all parties involved were eager to adapt the story of the song into a feature film. The film made $1.3 million on its Thursday night opening. The film went on to make $86 million against its $7 million budget. The film also did well critically, earning a 61% approval rating from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 92% from fans. That was I Can Only Imagine. And this is Godfellas. What is wrong with you? Saddle up with McGee and me As we head on an adventure in Odyssey We'll focus on the family with a veggie tale It's the greatest adventure with great detail Godfellas, Godfellas Meet it online for a small group time Godfellas, Godfellas Christian everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Godfellas, a small group that meets online. I'm Mr. Zach. I'm Mr. Brandon. And today we will be talking about the Irwin Brothers film, I Can Only Imagine, based on that classic, classic song. But before that, ladies and gentlemen, I have some great news. He is an actor, he is a writer. He is a voice actor also, but also he is an incredible, incredible husband, an incredible dad, probably one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life, and we are very honored to have him on our show today. Please give it up for Mr. Kyle Higgins. Hey. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, So, Kyle, thank you very much for being on the show, and uh, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Oh, I can't top that in, that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actor. I I trained in music theater in college in Canada. I'm Canadian. Once I moved to the States with my wife about five years ago, I worked in Christian arts. I worked for the Salvation Army. Most recently, I worked as the uh, creative arts coordinator at the College for Salvation Army Officers. Yeah, I'm also a voice actor. I narrate audiobooks. I do a two-person musical that's that's touring with my wife. Well, not touring now, but before this uh, pandemic. Yeah, once the pandemic's over, get out there and see Skeleton Army people. It's a good show. Zach, can I just say you have the most accomplished guests <laughs> on your podcast that I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> that's what that's what I go for. I have every I tell time them all the time. <laughs> every time I listen to one of your podcast episodes, I feel bad about myself for not doing more with my life. No, no, that's why we host. (laughs) Kyle, it's good to have you. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me. So, Kyle, you and I have talked a lot about Christian movies. And when I say Christian movies, I guess I should say movies that are made by the Christian market, right? So not like movies that have Christian themes or, or stuff like that, but movies that are made by your Christian market, by your Christian filmmakers, like kind of by that establishment. And Kyle and I often talk about, you know, which ones are good, which ones are bad, why are they good, why are they bad. So, uh, Kyle, I'm just curious, um, do you see the arts having a positive or negative effect on the church? That's a big question. I think definitely, if they're done right. 
I think uh, specifically, I was talking to my wife, Catherine, about this yesterday. And one of the biggest benefits that we see as people working in the arts in the church is the ability that the arts have to create a safe space for the people who come. So it's not necessarily the performance that, that really matters. It's the discipleship that happens while creating the performance. That's where I think the biggest effect on arts, especially in local ministry, happens. On like a large scale, I think the arts have the ability to, to move people and to change people's opinions to see their selves resonate um, within a great story and help them see what they might need to change or who they might need to forgive or how they can become better people. So I definitely think the arts have an effect. That was a loaded answer. And I like what you were saying about, you know, it, it's not just the piece, but, you know, it's getting to have relationships with, you know, the people that, that you work with and the people who are behind the scenes on a lot of that. I think that's, you know, it's discipleship to some extent, you know? Yeah. Saddle up your Let's get into the topic for today, the movie I Can Only imagine. Brandon, you grew up around the the church folk. This song, did mm -hmm. it have meaning for you or not really? So I want to say I was a little young to maybe really dive in uh, deep to a song like this and, and maybe what um, Bart and Mercy Me were, you know, what message they were trying to um, convey. But I will say I have a vivid memory of when this song kind of hit the charts, if you will, and became a mainstream song, a mainstream hit, though, as well as a Christian hit. And I think, you know, over over the course of my life, I can, you know, really count on one hand the songs that have kind of been good Christian songs and then crossed over and gotten like, you know, some notice from maybe some of the secular radio stations and some of the secular studios. This is definitely one. I think of like a, a song like flood by jars of clay and, you know, a couple switchfoot songs and, uh, and whatnot. But uh, this one, I do remember specifically when it kind of hit big and, you know, uh, I feel like the Christians love it when other people notice our stuff. You know, we, we, we <laughs> love, we love that attention from, you know, people who maybe aren't Christian. It's funny to hear you say that because that's what the directors of the movie said. They were like, we want to make movies that are like not just good Christian movies, but movies that are like so good that they make a bunch of noise so that people on the outside go, what's going on there? We want to check this out, which I thought was, it's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. Um, Kyle, did this song make it to Canada? It did. I think it was one of the the few songs. That, uh, <laughs> that that's one of the crazy things when I came here. There's a Christian radio station. That oh wow! You, yeah. Like you didn't you don't have that in Canada or my parents didn't listen to it anyway. Um, K love, <laughs> K love, yeah, K love. But um, but it, this one made it up there though. Yeah, I actually remember singing it in church when I was about twenty, mm. maybe. So mm -hmm. it did. You said you sang it. I want you to sing it right now, but <laughs> I, won't. I won't. I won't make you do that. <laughs> I won't. So, um, do you guys have any memory from when this movie came out, or or did it just over your head? Well, the only memory I have was from you, Zach, 
seeing seeing the movie and kind of reporting back. And I before <laughs> before you can dial down your response in in this next block, I remember positive feedback from you. And I believe you went with your roommate and I remember you guys liking the movie. Like I'm not saying it was your favorite movie, but you liked it. You were pleasantly surprised. We'll say that. How about that? Does that does that sound about right? Oh, a million, a million percent. Okay. I, this is back in the days of Movie Pass when I went and saw right. every movie. Right. <laughs> and so this one, I was like, it looks like the Christian equivalent of Walk the Line. And then, like looking at the cast, I was like, you've got Dennis Quaid, you've got the girl from Mr. Popper's Penguins, like yeah. you have, uh, like J. Michael Finney who was on Broadway. I was like they've got like a good cast. And I was like, and also it seems like it's a story that, you know, it seems like there's a story and not a sermon here. So I was like, I, hmm. I want these movies to get better. I guess I'll, I guess I'll check it out. I don't, Kyle, did you, had you seen this prior to me asking you to watch it for the show? I had not. And I actually got it mixed up when you mentioned it with the one that's coming out about the guy who I think is, I, I still, still believe. believe. Yeah. I thought, I was like, Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. But Jeremy yeah. Camp, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched it last night. It was it was a sad, sad, sad movie. Mm. In what way? <laughs> it it's I mean it's about the guy's wife dying. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So that's the entire like <laughs> the right. second hour of that movie, and I was like, ooh, ooh. Mm. This, now that you guys have seen the movie, I'm just curious. Uh, how did you feel going into it? Skeptical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. I feel that way with all Christian movies, though, because absolutely, I don't, I don't want to see a movie that's just telling me the same thing over and over again. And I feel like that's what a lot of Christian movies have done in the past. Watching it, though, I, I had tears. I watched it with my daughter today. I kept having, I have kept having these <laughs> moments, <laughs> and and she kept looking back at me, and I'm like, "Don't look at me." Uh, <laughs> nice. But, uh, I really enjoyed it. I was feeling better than I've ever felt about a Christian movie going into it. Keep in mind, I had your uh, response that I vaguely remembered from a few years ago. So I had that buzzing around and I remember thinking, I know this guy's got a good voice. Um, honestly, like how bad could it be? Dennis Quaid's in it. It might, it might be okay. I want to tell you though, Dennis Quaid in the first five minutes of the movie was already better than any other actor from any other Christian media movie I had ever seen. First five minutes. First five minutes. Wow. He, I have, <laughs> it, it, take all the, the I, you know, and I haven't seen a ton, but all of the Christian media movies I've seen, he already was giving the best performance. He was kind of the selling point for, I think, a lot of people. And I think... What makes me the happiest about I Can Only Imagine, and, and I alluded to this earlier, but I like that it's not a sermon. You know, yeah. like there's definitely themes of forgiveness and, you know, themes of reconciliation. But redemption. first and foremost, redemption. First and foremost, it's Bart's story. Yeah. And mm. I feel like whether you like the song or not, that's that doesn't really matter. Again, like I think about I compared it to Walk the Line. I feel like if you don't know anything about Johnny Cash going into that movie, if you don't care about that song, you're still going to get a good movie because his story is so good. Mm -hmm. So, and I think about what Chris said on our Noah episode when he said, just tell stories. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, so to have this movie where I really was like relating with the characters and feeling for these characters and yeah, just crying <laughs> through the movie. I was like, this is like, it's, it's, 
you know, at the risk of sounding ridiculous, it's like a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that that made me really happy. Is there anything um, that kind of jumped out to you, though, as uh, as negatives? Things where maybe the movie stumbled a bit as many good moments acting wise as this movie had there were as you know just as many bad moments i think i want to just talk about the kid you know he's the very first person playing bart he was not anything special i thought he was particularly good in the small moments though i thought there was a there was a moment when he's sitting on the bridge with shannon and he said i i just don't like being alone and gosh, that hit me like a knife in the heart. I felt, I felt it when he said that. And I was like, man, that was such a small, powerful moment. His mom, let's fast forward to his mom leaving in the moving truck. Uh, I'm sorry, mom. What did I do? Take me, mom. Even though I'm thinking like, this should really be like raking me over the coals. And it was, it felt, it, it felt kind of flat. And honestly, I'm not expecting Daniel Day-Lewis from this kid. But, you know, it was just like the big <laughs> moments were too big and the small moments were mm. perfect that's how i felt sure and i was just gonna say in that scene i wrote down in my notes the scene when uh dennis quaid is like she doesn't she's leaving she doesn't want you either i was like oh that's a good line but then and i think it's the writing you know when the kid says you hurt her like you hurt me i was like but we right. know that like who are you who yeah. are you saying this for yeah. like it's, yeah and it's an example of like not even so much a kid it's just an example of like some clunky writing. Brandon, to piggyback on what you were saying, I did think all the stuff with the kids at camp, I, I got it. It's just, I don't think they know how to write for I children. Agree. Like Absolutely when, agree. When the little girl has yes, her journal. I, I wrote and, that down. <laughs> and he says, what's in there? And she goes, my hopes, my dreams, things I that like, I want to be. <laughs> just stuff I think that about. I felt like a, a youth pastor wrote that for like... What? Tell me some things that you might want your kids to be writing in these journals. Mm. And th that's exactly how that line's going to play. You know, that felt like a very churchy answer for, I don't what was she, 11, 12-year-old? You know what's strange about that, though, where I completely agree with you as I was watching, I was like, this is very stilted conversation. I was with my 11-year-old daughter, and she was sitting in front of me, yep. and I saw her head just kind of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like she was yeah. living it. And with those kids, so maybe it was written for yeah. oh, the wow. kids. I don't know. That's great. Yeah, that that could be. And hey, more more power to them if that's Kyle. What uh, jumped out to you negatively? Yes, there was yes. one part that I kind of questioned why it happened because it didn't feel motivated to me. Which was um, when the main character, what's his name, Bart. Bart. Yes, he walks in on his dad who's smashing the the jeep. Yeah, and then yeah. he collapsed, and then Bart picks up this bat. And Dennis Quaid's character goes, do it, just do it. I don't know why that was in there because there was nothing that Bart ever did to show his violence. It kind of took me yeah. out of it. Well, I there's agree. the scene earlier in the movie when Dennis Quaid smashes the plate and then like he picks up the bat and he says, get away from me. But like we know in that moment, like, well, Bart's not. He's defending him. himself. <laughs> like, I think in so, that in the plate yeah. scene, I agree. He picks mm -hmm. up the bat. It felt odd because. Never have we, never did we feel like Bart wants to hit his dad. Yeah. You know, he, he's only yeah, wanted I to protect himself. And he just found out that he got cancer too. So, and that, it's like, <laughs> yes, exactly. You know what I liked about that scene though? And I think as a theme for the movie overall was the way that they showed that God was kind of moving, but they didn't bang us over the head mm -hmm. with it. 
It was mm. just he couldn't find keys to his car. He couldn't get the motorcycle started. It wasn't saying. Yeah. And then I heard the Holy Spirit moving me to to go and mm-hmm. see my dad. It was just innate. Right. It happened in his life. It was part of right. the story. Yeah, subtlety, something we really don't see in a lot of these Christian movies, and especially <laughs> after the last Christian movie we watched was God's yeah. Not Dead, which is not subtle, which is like very overt and very, this This is what, Professor Radisson's getting hit by the car mm-hmm. so he can get saved, whereas Kyle, I didn't even, mm. honestly, I didn't even think of it that way until you brought it up, and now I'm like, oh, yeah, that that is a beautiful way to look at, at the movie. But again, like if you don't pick it up, it's not like you're sitting there going, what's what's happening? Yeah. Why doesn't the thing start? Uh, I don't know. Like it's it's good filmmaking, which is which is very exciting. What Christian artist would you like to see them make a movie about? Oh, that's different than the outline, Zach. What did I put in the outline? What song? Or what <laughs> other song deserves a movie? We could do that. What song or Christian artist deserves can a I, movie? Can I go? Yeah. <laughs> I think we got to have the same answer. So oh, yes, go are we it. going to? We might. Yeah, we probably do. Is it? Is it the song that the theme song of Godfellas is yeah. ripping off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Listen, well, Irwin Brothers, if you're listening, the three of us were all writers. We would love to write the yes. Great Adventure about Stephen Curtis. Chapman. What are the chances that we both picked? I heard it in the movie. As soon as I heard that, yeah. I was like, "Sold." I'm. Where's I'm this sold? Movie? And man, I would definitely see that movie, The Great Adventure. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. please. That's a day one. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle? Uh, hearing just during our discussion talking about getting butts in the seats and songs that kind of transfer to secular, I would say Rise Up could be something that's turned into a movie. What's her name? Yeah, is the Lauren Daigle. Is that the, the Lauren Daigle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the one that I thought, I didn't know that it had to be a Christian artist. I was, I was thinking of uh, Horace the Wimp by ELO. I think that'd be a really cute British film about a a yes. guy who maybe maybe schizophrenic, maybe he's hearing the voice of God and he's a weak in him trying to find the love of his life. I think that'd be a directed by Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Something that bugged me the first time I watched the movie, and I've since come around. All of the uh, references to all the Christian artists that that Bart that Bart likes, like uh, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant. So, little side note about me: we were not a Christian radio house. My parents really liked, you know, seventies music, so we listened to like Bread and and stuff oh, like awesome. that. So it is, but didn't grow up with like Audio Adrenaline or Michael W. Smith songs. Amy Grant was like maybe the exception. So I didn't know who most of these people were. And my audience that I was watching it with, they were just kind of like, you know, laughing and chuckling. But, you know, I it bothered me the first time. But now watching it again, I'm like, well, they are his yeah. heroes. So I guess that they're important. But I don't know <laughs> who these people are really other than name. My first thought was, are you trying to tell me that you couldn't get Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant to be in this movie? That was my first thought. <laughs> I mean, this is probably the biggest movie Christians have ever made, maybe. So are you telling me? I don't know. That's neither here nor there, though. Um, I think (laughs) I think Amy's role was important. Also, I would love to know the whole story there because it Mm. really makes her sound pretty great. Like the way she just turned the reins back over to Bart at her concert. That that sounded (laughs) almost too good to be true for you know for me like i would love to believe that 
I would love to believe that she just decided right there on stage that it was Bart's song to sing. I would. I don't I don't mm. know if I, I would just love to know the whole story, I guess. As sure. far as like the artists they chose to include, I really feel like at, at one point, Amy and Michael, maybe Stephen Curtis Chapman, a few others, they were at the top. They were the pinnacle of of the uh, kind of the Christian contemporary music scene. I'm so uneducated in Christian radio that I thought until after the movie, when I looked it up, that that was Amy Grant and that was Michael W. Smith. But I, I figured it out before this interview. Uh, oh. But I appreciated Bart's starstruckness with those characters. I found that really kind of a nice humorous yeah. break yeah. in between mm-hmm. all the the abusiveness. So I, I enjoyed that part, but... Yeah, Yeah. I'm not one to really comment on it because I didn't even know that they weren't them. I think it played well because Hmm. can you imagine writing a song like that and just turning it over to someone? Like, I think it was important to show how much he loved Amy Grant like that. that, And he, you know, says it explicitly. Your album got me through some of the toughest times in my life. I don't think you would turn over your your Rachmaninoff's third to anyone less than your childhood hero. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it would have to be someone that you just held with such high esteem. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I don't know how, um, like Christian music works or Mm -hmm. normal music for, for that matter. But, you know, I think like one of the things that I liked, and that's a good point, what you're saying, Brandon, is that, you know, they didn't make it about like, you know, someone saying to Bart, like, if you sell this song, you're going to make so much money. I like that it's Amy Grant is like, I like the song. I want it. <laughs> I want to yeah. sing it. And, you know, she like leaves it up to him. And then I like that, you know, it's kind of her decision. I would love to think that this is exactly how it went down. What I think probably happened was, um, hey, Amy, you got to check this song out. Great. I love it. I want it. Well, I mean, right. this song means a lot to this kid. Only way I'm interested in it is if I get to sing it. I really feel like that's probably how it went down. You know, as much as I'd love to believe that just the goodness in her heart, you know, and all these things. And she was just checking with him two and three times. You know, are you sure? Mm. Are you sure? Mm. She even says this is a career maker. And I mean, I don't know, Amy. So if you're listening, I apologize, Amy. Amy. And you want to come on the show, then (laughs) I love you. For me, the that moment that you were talking about, Brandon, just to touch on that. Aaron Sorkin um, in his masterclass talks about how when you're writing a a biography movie like he did with uh, the Steve Jobs movie or the the Facebook movie, it's not about getting the accurate details because you're writing drama. It's about finding the essence of it, the bigger truth. And I agree that that moment probably didn't happen, but I think it happened the same way in a lot less exciting of a way. Like she probably was offered it, I'm guessing. I completely agree with that. Side note, Aaron Sorkin is my favorite screenwriter and television writer of all time. So you couldn't have said the the right words to me, you know, honestly, even if you had prepped. I was going to say the thing that that and Kyle, I would love to hear you weigh in on this is when she says it's not just the song that's special. It's you. And then she says something along the lines of like, this is your moment. Like the kind of worship pastor, like worship, not, I'm not a pastor. The worship leader type guy was like, but it's a song for the Lord. Hmm. It wasn't weird for me. See, I think God, I think God's bigger than us talking about 
saying that it's the Lord's moment. I think he knows when we're worshiping him. Zach, to back up real quick, you were saying, you know, this yeah. is Bart, this is your, Amy was saying, Bart, this is your moment. And, and you were yes, saying, yes. it, you know, it feels like the attention was being drawn to Bart as, as opposed to where it should Ooh. be, which is the Lord. Take that one, one, you know, a few minutes further and you have Angel mm. Dennis Quaid sitting in in the audience, which is now, you know, there is no one sitting in the um, in any seats except for Dennis Quaid dressed in white. And that honestly felt a little more jarring to me than Amy calling Bart on stage. Kyle, did you like Angel Dennis Quaid? I was actually distracted during that moment because my daughter started singing the song. So I got <laughs> uh, taken out of it a little bit. But then I came in and I was like, oh. I, I, I liked the device of him picturing his father in heaven mm. watching him. I think, though, that there was a way to do it that didn't make it seem like he was only singing that song for his dad. I spend a lot of time reading comments on, on Christian media stuff to kind of see what the gauge is. And it seems like the Christian audience really does not like to see suffering in movies um there's this great show the chosen where there's a character who's suffering and who's in pain and somebody wrote down i love the show i did not like seeing this character in pain and i almost didn't keep watching and i'm like well that's kind of the point <laughs> but there's you know kind of a lot of people who watch these christian movies who just want it to be sunshine and roses the whole time so i'm curious how do you feel this film handled trauma I'm giving you the nice softball, easy questions. <laughs> I think it tried to tell his story. And that's that's the only way you can handle each situation is by by seeing what there is and creating the story from it. So I'm imagining that he did get hit on the head with a plate as a kid. I'm imagining he did get beat so much that his body didn't allow him to sleep on his back at night. I'm taken aback when you say that Christians uh, can't handle suffering when you think of the the passion of like if you just think of the passion you know it's not necessarily the mel gibson movie which is a little bit uh overkill or maybe not but like our whole our whole faith is based on jesus suffering and dying for us without that you can't have christianity trauma is one way to put it i think we're specifically mm -hmm. talking about abuse here though and yes yes it's troublesome. It's troublesome for me. So a couple things. Dennis Quaid evolves from a nightmare to kind of grumpy. You know, there's some scenes in the middle where he's just kind of grumpy, you know, and I'm like, these aren't the, this isn't, the, these aren't the same people here. The, to me, too much has happened and we don't know why. I think he was still supposed to be this terrible person, but he's just kind of grumpy when uh, Bart's in high school, you know? Other side of that, Bart in the music industry, the music of executives. I know we've talked about uh, treating things like autism as a superpower. I also feel like you can treat trauma or abuse. Mm. Like if you don't have those things, you don't have an interesting story to tell. I, yeah. I realize I'm... I didn't even I'm think about it until you brought it I'm up. I'm on yeah. shaky ground here, but I really was feeling like what you're trying to say here is he's got to tap into that in order to be accepted. In order to make it, him and his band, he has to tap into that 
abuse. Now, I think there was an interesting story to tell about coming to terms with some of those things and forgiving like that. All that felt right. And Mm -hmm. I really feel like they even could have gone a little further with uh, the relationship between Bart and Shannon. Like that felt underdone to me. Yes. But specifically Mm. how the music executives were broadcasting this um, message that you have to tap into all these dark things in order you need uh, in order to basically stand out, you have to have some interesting Mm. story birthed out of like pain, you know? And, and that felt Mm. a little something to me. I don't know. It just felt, uh, it felt troublesome. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, the way you say that when, you know, he's saying, what are you running from? And he's like, my dad, he's like, he hurts you. Didn't he? Yeah. Then write about it. And it's, it's a little like, that'll solve it. And that, like, now that I think about it, it's like, I, I feel like I get, you know, I get the line, which, you know, and to some, to some extent, like we want people who are victims yeah. of trauma and abuse to, to feel like they can tell their Absolutely. story, but you're right, Brandon, it almost makes the movie, it makes it feel like kind of, once you uncover this gem in here, then you'll finally like get your get your hit song. Yeah. yeah. I, oof. Now that there, I'm thinking were, about it, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like they were just all over the place with that that portion of. Mm. Um, so he has the the conversation. You know, he gets let down. He gets the you know the big letdown by the music executives, and he goes and approaches his band. He's like, "I need to go home." He goes mm-hmm. home. He's with his dad for like 10 minutes and he storms, he storms off. And to me, that was like what I was asking myself, what did you think was going to happen when you came home? Did you think it was just going to be better Mm. when you got there? I think I stumbled, I stumbled on that also. So I was a little all over the place with the relationship between him and his dad and then how they were handling like the abuse and how he was dealing with it. I felt that that scene where he talks about his dad. I, that was one of the scenes as well that kind of took me out. I was like, this wouldn't happen. Was it, too, it felt, it felt yeah. easy to like get that out of him. Yeah. 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 He just went right to it and became really vulnerable after being attacked so uh-huh. much by all those uh, uh-huh. industry producers. I guess they needed a reason to get him back to his father. I'm trying to think in the perspective of, of script writers is, mm-hmm. is we got to get over, we got to get you back to your dad. How are we going to get you? How are we going to push you there? The way that um, Dennis Quaid justified it, he gave the answer to why his son was there when he said, did you get my letters? Did you read them? And Mm -hmm. I think maybe if he had read them, there would have been like a real reason for him to go Mm -hmm. back. I don't know. There, there There did not feel like a real reason. I agree. One of the things I wanted to bring up is the first time I saw the movie, I was I was kind of I think you go into a movie where you know that there's going to be an abusive, like, you know, parent or something with your fists clenched, you know, like you're kind of like, Ooh, like this is going to be tough to watch. And this movie, I don't want to say that it does, you know, it lets your imagination do a lot of the work and that you don't see a lot of physical violence. So the first time I was like, Oh, I don't know if they did a good job, but on this rewatch, I was just reminded like, but emotional abuse is also a real thing. Like his dad says things like just to, put Bart down and he says things that are like not constructive even and like I even remember the first time yeah just Just mean mean. I remember the first time when he said um you know I was sitting in the diner and I saw your name 
on this, you know, flyer for a for a musical that you're in, and I didn't know anything about it. And it's kind of like you're you're just saying that to to hurt him. I think there was a gap that didn't make it into the movie, and they tried to bring the audience along with a couple of lines of dialogue. And I think I definitely stumbled on it because the last thing we saw of, you know, little boy Bart was his dad standing over him, you know, screaming at him. And, you know, these, this sequence of scenes, you know, him uh, with his belt standing at Bart's door and just a few different things. So we have, we have Bart's dad, the monster, And then, oh, well, Bart's dad also saved him from his mom's new abusive ex-husband. You know, so there's like a couple lines of dialogue in there. Like a couple times he was telling his story. What'd you do next? Well, I tried to get good at the only thing my dad loved. You know, there's a couple things that was said that tried. I felt like it was trying to accomplish a lot, you know, and and we weren't caught up to that point. Absolutely. There's no way in my mind, Bart would have told his dad that he was in a musical that felt right. So him then asking him about it, I was like, of course, he's not going to tell you, you were just beating him, you know, five minutes ago in this movie. (laughs) So I feel like there was a gap that, that, um, just, there was some stuff that fell through the cracks that we didn't get brought along on as the viewers. I also think trying to get it from an actor's perspective that maybe Dennis Quaid's character was trying to save face in front of the the new pretty girl that yeah. she had. Yeah. And there, I felt like it could have gone south real quick. Yeah. It, like almost like <laughs> like in a creepy way. Yeah. Like I was <laughs> Who's this pretty young lady? I was like, please <laughs> let this scene end before something really inappropriate happens. Yeah, don't let this be a part of the story. I was just thinking, I know that we're bringing up a lot of issues that we have with the movie, but again, like Brandon, you were saying the small moments, mm-hmm. yeah. like what the, those are the moments that like make the movie. And, you know, the, the, I think the guy who plays Bart, I want to see him in more stuff, maybe with a little more of an actor's director. Cause the Irwin brothers, the movie looks beautiful, by sure. the way. It looks like, it looks like a, a real movie. It and sounds I think good the too. Issues that it sounds were, good. Yeah, the sound was great. Yeah. I think the issues that we're bringing up and it's kind of refreshing aren't issues with it, like because it's Christian. I think they're just like issues that you would have with a normal movie. And that's great considering that it's a Christian film. Yeah. Yeah. That's like 10 steps ahead. Yeah. Well, folks, it's about that time where we're going to use our manners. So do you think this is a good new direction for Christian movies to be going in? I felt led in that. You give a positive yes. uh, <laughs> positive leading. But I, I would have said that anyway. Positive encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. I'm all for the the subtlety in um in the in the gospel message. I don't want to silence the message of Christ, so I don't want it to be taken that way, but I think that people will only learn if they think that they've come up with it themselves. And you need to leave that space, which this film, I think, tried to do. So I, I like the direction that it's taken, and I'd like more of it. Mm, yeah. Brandon? I think at, 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 you know, you know distilled down at its most basic level, they're telling a story, and they're telling an interesting story. They're telling a good story. I think we need to start telling stories and stop trying to save the masses with these movies, you know? Start telling stories. I Also, I feel like more specifically, 
maybe start telling modern day stories. I think there are definitely interesting stories to tell that are not being told. I love, and I know Zach, you do also. I love a good biblical epic. You know, I love them, but we've seen them. And yeah, until you stop trying to do something weird or make Samson that, and, and it's just, make it terrible you know like if you're gonna if you're gonna do them and you're doing big and you're gonna spend big money on biblical epics i'm all for it but if you're going to skimp on them don't don't do that please don't please stop please stop these modern day stories i think are a are a great direction to maybe take some of these christian media movies i feel like there's untapped potential here yeah, it's, it's interesting when you said it was like the biggest is that like this movie only costs $7 million to make, which, you know, it sounds, you know, it's more money than I'll ever have. But when you think about $7 million, it's like, you know, in any big budget movie that you're going to see, that's like a frame on the screen. Like it's a small budget film, but these guys really know what, what they're doing. And I feel like they've they've kind of changed the game for Christian films because a lot of those, like, Pure Flix movies, like, they weren't doing well. This came out, like, the same weekend as God's Not Dead 3, and, I mean, I can only imagine just wiped the floor with it, and it wiped the floor with Samson, which came out that same year. And, you know, even some of the movies that have come out that have been Christian movies, um, people just didn't show up to see, and I think it's because we've, <laughs> we've seen how good you can make a you know a faith-based movie we've seen that you can do it well and that you can do it right did you watch it with your wife i did and she enjoyed it and she actually said tell zach i enjoyed this movie Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and kyle you said your daughter liked it my daughter uh is has comes from a life of trauma because we we adopted her when she was six and wow. um I would recommend parents who who have kids who are from maybe broken homes to watch this movie with them because it opens up possibilities for discussion. It opens up opportunities for considering forgiving the people who wronged you when you were younger. That that was probably my biggest takeaway from that movie. Along with it, not along with it being a Christian movie that I didn't feel like I was being hammered over the head with of uh, the message of Jesus, which I I really really like. You've heard what we have to say about this movie. It's free on Amazon Prime. Uh, this is one I might even pick up the Blu-ray for. Mm. Um, if you like stories, if you like good movies, I would suggest giving this one a go. There are some clunky areas, but there are a couple of areas that also just hit a home run, mm-hmm. I think. So in conclusion, again, we have been the Godfellas. Make sure that you... Head over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, you know you should also give us a five star rating and review. <laughs> Got to get in there and give us shameless. that love, people. Shameless, <laughs> but <laughs> so shameless. <laughs> Kyle Higgins, just you wait, Professor Higgins. I've been wanting to make that joke all night. <laughs> 
Kyle, thank you so, so much for coming on the show, for providing your insight, um, your thoughtful insight, and for talking about Aaron Sorkin yes. and, and the movie, of course. <laughs> so uh, if people are interested, where can they uh, find out what you're doing and do you have anything you would like to plug? Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I just uh, finished a an audiobook with Pelican Book mm. Group. It's a Christian-themed book. It's called The Fishermen of Antioch, a contemporary romance anthology. It's by uh, Marianne Evans. Ooh. It's on uh, mysoundwise.com, oh my. but I think it's going to be going to the other audiobook outlets soon if you want to look up The Fishermen of Antioch. Again, Kyle, thank you so much for giving uh, your time, and not just your time on the show, but for <laughs> sitting down and watching a movie and then thinking about it and then talking about it. I know that it's a lot, but I appreciate that uh, you took the time to uh, do that with us. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And you're, you're welcome back any time that, that you want. Thank you for listening. I've been Mr. Zach. I've been Mr. Brandon. And I guess I'm Mr. Kyle. Well, the adventure is over. We're all home, but I 